This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of medial epicondylar fractures from the pediatric section on orthobullets.com. Medial epicondylar fractures are the third most common fracture seen in children and is usually seen in boys between the age of 9 and 14. Treatment is controversial but is usually non-operative unless the medial epicondyle is incarcerated in the joint. As far as the epidemiology, medial epicondylar fractures account for up to 20% of all pediatric and adolescent elbow fractures. 75% of medial epicondylar fractures occur in boys between the ages of 9 and 14 years old. Medial epicondylar fractures are increasing in frequency due to the increased athletic demands in the pediatric population. With respect to the pathoanatomy, Medial epicondylar fractures are thought to occur from an avulsion mechanism where the fracture occurs secondary to excess valgus stress with contraction of the flexor supinator mass. The medial epicondyle is avulsed anteriorly by a tension created by the flexor pronator mass and the ulnar collateral ligament. Direct trauma is obviously another potential mechanism of injury to the medial epicondyle. Associated injuries with medial epicondylar fractures include elbow dislocation, and medial epicondylar fractures are associated with elbow dislocations in approximately 50 to 60% of cases. Most spontaneously reduce, but the fragment remains incarcerated in the joint in approximately 15% of cases. As far as prognosis, good to excellent results have been reported for both surgical and non-surgical management. Now, let's go over some relevant anatomy. With respect to osteology, the medial epicondyle is the last ossification center to fuse in the distal humerus, and it does contribute to longitudinal growth. The origin of the flexor pronator mass and the ulnar collateral ligament is the medial epicondyle. An accepted mnemonic of the order of appearance of the individual ossification centers of the elbow is CRITO, or C-R-I-T-O-E, where the letters stand for capitellum, radial head, internal or medial epicondyle, trochlea, olecranon, and external or lateral epicondyle. And a maybe less accepted mnemonic for the same concept is come rub my tree of love, if that's easier for you to remember. It's important to remember that the capitellum is the first apophysis to appear on radiographs after about one year. The lateral epicondyle is the last apophysis to appear on radiographs at about 12 years of age, and the medial epicondyle is the last to fuse at around 16 to 18 years old. Even though the order of appearance is discussed more often, it is helpful to know the typical order and age of apotheceal closure when evaluating patients. A good mnemonic to remember the age of fusion is CTEROI or CTEROM, which stands for capitellum, trochlea, external or lateral epicondyle, radius, olecranon, and internal or medial epicondyle. The capitellum, trochlea, and external or lateral epicondyle fuse together at puberty, and together they fuse to the distal humerus between the ages of 14 to 16 years old. So to quickly run through the years at ossification and years at fusion of the different ossification centers, the capitellum ossifies at 1 year and fuses at 12 to 14 years. The radius ossifies at 3 years and fuses at 14 to 16 years. The internal or medial epicondyle ossifies at 5 years and fuses at 16 to 18 years. The trochlea ossifies at 7 years and fuses at 12 to 14 years. The olecranon ossifies at 9 years and fuses at 15 to 17 years. And finally, the external or lateral epicondyle ossifies at 11 years and fuses at 12 to 14 years. 
and remember that there may be a plus or minus one year difference between boys and girls. Moving on to muscles and ligaments, the common flexor pronator wad muscles of the medial apocondyle include the pronator teres, flexor carpi radialis, palmaris longus, flexor digitorum superficialis, and the flexor carpi ulnaris. With respect to blood supply, anteriorly, the branches of the inferior ulnar collateral artery feed the medial epicondyle, and posteriorly, the branches of the superior and inferior ulnar collateral artery feed the medial epicondyle. With respect to classification, there is no routinely used classification system for medial epicondylar fractures. They can be more simply classified as acute versus chronic. Acute subtypes include non-displaced, minimally displaced, displaced, fragment entrapped in the joint, and fracture through the epicondyle apophysis. Chronic fractures are related to tension, stress injuries. As far as presentation of these patients, symptoms are usually medial elbow pain. Physical exam may show valgus instability and or ecchymosis, especially with direct trauma. You may also find ulnar nerve dysfunction, and remember that motory and sensory function should be documented in all cases and any generalized swelling found on exam may suggest that the elbow may have been dislocated. As far as imaging, with respect to radiographs, displacement is difficult to measure accurately as the medial epicondyle is located on the posteromedial aspect of the distal humerus and the fragment displaces anteriorly. Recommended views on radiographs include an AP and lateral of the elbow, an internal oblique view to evaluate displacement, and a distal humeral axial view, which may also improve the accuracy of measuring displacement. This is obtained by angling the beam 25 degrees anterior to the long axis of the humerus. CT is the most accurate imaging modality, but it's associated with increased radiation. The differential for medial epicondylar fractures include medial condyle fractures and simple elbow dislocations. Moving on to treatment, this can be either operative or non-operative. Non-operative management involves immobilization for one to three weeks in a long-arm cast with the elbow flexed to 90 degrees. Indications for this are controversial, but is generally considered for less than five millimeters of displacement, and as we mentioned, the amount of true displacement is difficult to determine on plain radiographs. As far as outcomes, there are lower rates of osseous union rates compared to surgically treated patients. As far as outcomes for non-operative treatment, there are lower rates of osseous union rates compared to surgically treated patients. Radiographic non-union or a fibrous union is often asymptomatic. Moving on to operative management, this includes open reduction and internal fixation. Absolute indications include a displaced fracture with entrapment of the medial epicondyle fragment in the joint. Another indication is extension of the fracture to the articular surface with medial condyle involvement and obviously an open fracture is another absolute indication. Relative indications include ulnar nerve dysfunction, greater than 2 to 15 millimeters of displacement, which is also controversial, greater than 2 to 5 millimeters of displacement in a valgus stress athlete such as throwers or gymnasts, and associated elbow dislocation is another relative indication. To go over the techniques for open reduction internal fixation in a bit more detail, the approach is typically the medial approach to the elbow and you will typically do this with the patient supine and the arm abducted to 90 degrees. However, a prone position has also been described. But regardless, an incision is made directly over the medial epicondyle. You will find the brachialis slash triceps interval, and remember that with this approach, the ulnar nerve is at risk. So make sure to identify and protect the ulnar nerve. This is easiest from proximal to distal. 
Next, reduce the fracture, then internal fixation is usually carried out via a screw, and this is often cannulated. A washer may improve fixation, but it will be more prominent. Remember to avoid iatrogenic comminution during screw insertion. K-wires are indicated for smaller fragments or in younger children. As far as complications to be aware of for medial epicondylar fractures, the big ones to know are non-union, and as we mentioned, a majority of these are asymptomatic. The odds of radiographic union are nine times greater with surgery. Nerve injury is another potential complication. Ulnar nerve injury has been reported between 10 to 16% of the time. Neuropraxia after dislocation will usually resolve with observation. And remember that the radial nerve is at risk with bicortical screw fixation. A missed incarceration in the elbow joint is another potential complication. And finally, elbow stiffness is another complication. And specifically, the most common complication is the loss of a few degrees of elbow extension. This is associated with prolonged immobilization, which can occur after non-operative and operative treatment. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over two questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A 12-year-old child sustains a pediatric medial humeral epicondyle fracture. Which of the following is true about fragment displacement and the optimal radiograph to determine displacement? And the choices are 1. The fragment displaces anteromedially. An AP radiograph is the most accurate to determine displacement. 2. The fragment displaces posteromedially. And an internal oblique radiograph is the most accurate to determine displacement. 3. The fragment displaces anteromedially. And a distal humeral axial radiograph is the most accurate to determine displacement. 4. The fragment displaces posteromedially. And a distal humeral radiograph is the most accurate to determine displacement. And 5. The fragment displaces anteromedially, and an internal oblique radiograph is the most accurate to determine displacement. So the medial epicondyle fragment displaces anteriorly. Distal humeral axial radiographs are most accurate to determine displacement. So the correct answer to this question is 3. The fragment displaces anteromedially, and a distal humeral axial radiograph is the most accurate to determine displacement. Pediatric medial epicondyle fractures make up 12% of elbow fractures and is the third most common elbow fracture, and they mostly occur in 11 to 12-year-old patients. The medial epicondyle displaces anteriorly because of the flexor pronator attachment. The assessment and treatment of this injury is controversial. Absolute indications for surgery include incarcerated fragments and open fracture. Relative indications include gross instability and ulnar nerve entrapment. Recommendations for surgery based on displacement range from 2 to 15 millimeters. Edmonds compared the use of radiographs to 3D CT for determining displacement. Lateral radiographs underestimated anterior displacement. AP radiographs overestimate medial displacement. Internal oblique radiographs best match 3D CT results compared to AP radiographs. They concluded that AP and lateral radiographs are insufficient. Internal oblique radiographs are more accurate, but 3D CT is the most accurate. Solder, Edmonds, and others further expanded the evaluation of fracture displacement using a cadaveric model, adding a new radiograph technique called a distal humeral axial radiograph. They found that AP lateral and internal oblique views underestimated displacement. The fragment was not visualized on lateral views except in one with displacement of greater than 10 millimeters, which was overestimated. Fragments were not seen on the lateral view if displacement was less than 10 millimeters. 
axial radiographs substantially improved displacement measurement and most closely estimated the true amount of displacement. And moving on to the final question, an 11-year-old child sustains an elbow dislocation. The elbow is reduced, but post-reduction radiographs demonstrate that the ulnohumeral joint remains slightly incongruent. What is the most likely etiology for this continued incongruency? And the choices are 1. Interposed annular ligament, 2. Interposed lateral epicondyle fragment, 3. Interposed medial epicondyle fragment, 4. Interposed ulnar nerve, and 5. Interposed brachialis muscle. So the review article by Skaggs notes that as many as 50% of medial epicondyle fractures are associated with elbow dislocations. Fractures of the medial epicondyle tend to occur in older children between the ages of 10 and 14. Simple fractures of the medial epicondyle are extra-articular injuries with limited soft tissue involvement. Minimally displaced fractures may be treated conservatively with initial splinting in 90 degrees and then initiation of active range of motion within one week with protective splinting for another few weeks. Absolute indications for operative treatment are irreducible incarceration of the medial epicondyle in the joint and the rare open fracture. Functional demands of the patients, such as throwers or gymnasts, and the magnitude of displacement may be considered as well, but are not absolute indications. Close reduction of an incarcerated fragment may be attempted by supinating the forearm, placing a valgus stress on the elbow, and extending the wrist and fingers. If unsuccessful, open reduction internal fixation while protecting the ulnar nerve is necessary. The Level 4 article by Fowles et al. found that 6 of the 28 medial epicondyle fractures had the epicondyle fragment incarcerated within the joint. They also found satisfactory results with plaster casting of medial epicondyle fractures if close reduction was successful. The correct answer to this question asking what the most likely etiology for continued incongruency after a closed reduction of an elbow dislocation is choice number three, interposed medial epicondyle fragment. That's all for this review about medial epicondylar fractures. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on iTunes. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.